0: Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like The Full of Shift podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real-life struggles women face with food, Body image and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. You know, I think it would be a safe bet to say that most people listening to today's show have heard the term body image. But I would also say it's a safe bet that most people have not heard the term body embodiment. So, That is what we are going to get into today. And I have just the perfect guest here with me today to do just that. So let me tell you a little bit about her before I bring her on. Sophie Killip is a mental health counselor who knows firsthand what it's like to live a life trapped in a web of disordered eating, negative body image, and low self worth. Her journey to healing has empowered her to now focus on her mission to help others who are struggling with their relationship with food body and self so they can feel confident in themselves again and live life to the fullest. Well, Sophie, welcome. I'm so excited. It's been some doing for us to connect, but hey, we finally got here. So.
1: I know uh, so much back and forth but here we are in January and here I am with a nasally cold so apologies in advance (laughs) but you know
0: what if if people can't understand that it's January and I think the whole world's been sick for how many years
1: (laughs) I know yeah yeah it's constant I actually haven't had a cold all winter yet so I've done well to escape it so far
0: Well, I hope it doesn't (laughs) go into anything else.
1: (laughs) Yeah, me too. Fingers crossed.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, you know, it's interesting. So, you know, I find people on, like you, on social media. Um, Obviously, you're not in my neck of the woods. um, But, you know, fascinating uh, social media posts and things that, you know, caught my attention. And uh, you have a lot to say. And um, I think lots for my audience to hear and listen to. Um, but something that came across that, you know, I had never really thought about was um, what we're going to talk about today, which is uh, body embodiment versus body image. Um, I'll get to that, you know, in a little bit here. But um, could you like tell the audience a little bit more about like how you got to, you know, where you're at in your career and, you know, how you got to the point where we connected
1: yeah, absolutely. It's been quite the journey, I think, both personal and professional experiences. Um, I love speaking with American people. America has such a special place in my heart because that's where I studied my master's degree. It's where I first started working in the field of sort of eating disorders and body image. Um, and really I think I've just been so interested in like therapy and specifically eating disorders, because I've seen so many people around me go through that, particularly with the body image side of things, which is what we're going to be talking about today. You know, I grew up in um, sort of a very kind of typical, like middle class, like British environment. I did spend some of my childhood in America, which kind of paralleled a lot of like my upbringing in, in the UK. But as I went into my teenage years and I really started becoming aware of my body and aware of the pressures that in particular women really feel about their bodies. Um, You know, I, I, Yeah, it it was hard at times throughout my teenage years. And then I think going into university and all of the changes that come with that as well, right? From just sort of like the partying lifestyle to eating in ways that maybe you weren't eating before. Um, My relationship with food and and my body really started to change. And so I think just having such an interest in like people and why we do the things we do and um, just being so curious about all of those things. I kind of came to this place of being like, yeah, eating disorders and body image is absolutely what I want to focus on. Um, And so with that, I started working at residential and outpatient facilities over in um, Washington. So in sort of like around the Seattle area. Um, And yeah, here I am today. I currently work on um, an inpatient ward for eating disorders um, for adolescents. um, And I'm kind of moving out of that at the moment and working sort of solely in outpatient and private practice. So yeah, here I am.
0: Awesome. So thank you for sharing that journey with us. Um, Absolutely. So curious now as you're making the transition, um, are you noticing any well even you know post-COVID are you noticing any uh, shifts in the population you're working with or any shifts just in general like with I guess
1: what is coming into your office mm-hmm. I think from the standpoint of working on a hospital ward, so working with te- teenagers that, you know, are really, really unwell with an eating disorder and most of them with a kind of anorexia presentation. A lot of the the team will say this as well, but there's kind of this theory that anybody that was maybe going to develop an eating disorder um, ended up kind of developing one during the pandemic just because the conditions were so perfect for it. Mm-hmm. And once I heard that from somebody, I was like, wow, that actually Makes so much sense right because we had our control taken away from us we had uncertainty like never ever before we were on zoom calls looking at ourselves in the mirror more um you know there were kind of these messages of of healthy eating that were coming into play um and at the same time you know we may have sort of had that access to like being secretive around food and just this like tornado of different factors i think have come about out and so um i don't know what it's like in the us but i know at least in the uk hospital admissions have risen by over a third sort of in recent years and um with our healthcare system and with that being public it's really really taking a hit um just on on the community you know so i'm kind of seeing it i suppose in its most like severe form not that you know there's a like a one's sort of worse or better than the other necessarily um but you know i think on kind of a wider level as well that that sort of disordered eating and negative body image from just yeah social media like transferring to completely online looking at ourselves all of the time i really see it um growing a lot and it and it feels very very scary and that's why i'm so dedicated to being in this field at the moment
0: Yeah. Same here. Um, you know, I'm in outpatient private practice. I also was at a hospital before and, um, you know, I can say it was really difficult to get, uh, patients into inpatient. There was wait lists. I've never seen that before. Uh, it was just to your point. Um, and for anyone listening who was going through that uh, at the time, trying to get in, I mean, know, the frustration of that. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was exactly to your point, you know, loss of control, just all the all the factors you mentioned.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I I can't even imagine um, what that must have been like for people. And yeah, I guess just for anybody that's listening, you know, we hear you on that. um, And I have so much compassion and and empathy for um, what people are going through that are struggling at the moment.
0: So, um, I did want to get to, um, you know, body image in particular, you know, I spend a lot of podcasts talking in particular about like eating disorders and I have had, uh, topics discussing body image, but, um, what I did find interesting, uh, when I came across you was this concept of, um, body embodiment versus body image. And I haven't actually had that discussion before and, um, I thought, gosh, I want to get Sophie on here to discuss this. Uh, I think you've done a good job of of, um, making that more known. So, you know, for anyone kind of listening, going, what is the difference? Or I've never even heard of body embodiment. Like, could you kind of go over that with us a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so. When we speak about body image, um, we're often speaking from like an outside in lens. So our body image, as I'm sure, you know you and, and many people listening are aware it's influenced by our surroundings right so it's influenced by like the beauty ideals at the time it's influenced by what we might be thinking or the people are thinking about our own body image and it's how we see ourselves when we look in the mirror it's also you know how we think and feel about our bodies but it's really that kind of like image that sort of you know you're taking a picture of your body and then you're looking at it that outside image. Bien embodiment for many people can feel so much more empowering because it really takes that like inside out perspective of what does it actually feel like to be living inside of our bodies and it's something that we don't often think about when it comes to body image we're often very very focused on the external side of things which you know of course they have a level of importance right like that's how many people sort of judge one another um and whatnot but also I think sometimes it really disregards like what it actually feels like to be living inside of our bodies. And I think even in therapy, you know, it's so important to get in touch with our bodies, because if we think about something like anxiety, anxious thoughts, um depression even, you know, a lot of that all kind of is going on in our minds, because we're disconnected from our bodies, because maybe it feels scary, maybe it feels unsafe, maybe it feels really uncomfortable. Um, And so that's how I think embodiment and embodiment practices can really be helpful when it comes to building um, a positive body image. So
0: when you say Embodiment practices. How are those different than, say, more traditional psychotherapeutic techniques or things we do in therapy?
1: Yeah, I guess when it comes to sort of like the um, psychotherapy or like what you might sort of imagine in therapy, which tends to be the kind of talking, doesn't it? Um, and 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 that completely has its place. I mean I I am a therapist. I um I truly believe in that and the power of that. But I think embodiment practices, so really getting in touch with our bodies through um kind of the doing things, the the body scans, yoga, going out for walks in nature, really getting in touch with that, which is something that um we can be doing outside of the therapy room. Or, you know, we can incorporate it into therapy, there's like walk and talk therapy, or there's dance therapy, movement therapy. Um, and I think, well, I, I hope that these different practices will start to become kind of more and more important um, over the years and and just, you know, have more importance placed on them, because that is really how we get in touch with what's going on within us. Um, and I think so many of us, like including myself, right, we're not all always aware of, of what's going on in our bodies. Like when we're feeling anxious, it might feel really hard to explain what that is. And yet when we think about it with that kind of like, um, you know, that like curious observer mind of just noticing things that are coming up for us, we might actually start to associate, oh, wow, like when I'm having these thoughts of, you know, um, oh, like I'm not good enough or my body is horrible or I shouldn't be eating today actually, we're really feeling a lot of that physically as well. The kind of, you know, chest pain, that tightness in our throat, sweating hands, things like that. And what I've personally found in in my private practice is people can sometimes find it hard to like really connect that like body and mind together. Um, but it's so powerful when it happens.
0: So what do you make of like why there's such a disconnect and it's so hard of for people to really be present in their bodies and connected?
1: Mm, I think many different reasons, to be honest, you know. Um, First of all, I, I think we just naturally spend so much time in our heads. Like we experience thousands and thousands of thoughts each day, right? We're constantly sort of on the go we're thinking about what to do next I think probably a lot of it does come from just that overall anxiety that we experience in the world like um particularly what I found from living in America and I don't know whether you can speak on this is just like it's constant you know it's go 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 you wake up you go to work you come home you maybe work out you like there's just all of this this doing that's going on all of the time and and I just don't think we always give ourselves that chance to really like sit with ourselves um I think that's probably one element of it um I don't know if if you kind of can relate to that maybe in just like American culture of like working hard and (laughs) not always taking breaks
0: (laughs) I'm actually curious because you said that like you know is it different now that you're not here? For you?
1: Uh yes. It is. I mean, don't get me wrong, like living in the UK is absolutely not perfect. But um, I just went to Copenhagen, actually, with two of my best friends. And we um, were talking about things like maternity leave and sort of annual leave and things like that. And actually, me and my two best friends, we all lived in the US. And we're like, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine what that would be like to only have two weeks of annual leave. And like going on vacation is kind of this like... Um, you know you go away for four days whereas for us a vacation is like two weeks so yeah for sure like if I'm totally honest I do think that I've been able to connect more with my body and just kind of slow things down a lot more since I have moved um, back to the UK.
0: So yeah <laughs> that's interesting right like I, I do I do have to say we we are more human like do doing than human beings. And I, you know, I do hear, I mean, I will speak for myself. There's a constant like flow of things to do. And um, most of my patients are saying they're up at night thinking about their to-do list and it's incessant and ongoing. And, you know, it does impact things like their sleep because they just can't even stop thinking about it. Um, You know, the two experiences I've had of not living on the mainland, I did my uh, residency in Hawaii and I remember that like the first like thing I was told is, Oh my gosh, you, you know, you how the girl from the mainland, like you got to relax, you know, It's like, you just, you're so anxious and high strung. And <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then like, toward the end of my year, I was like, I'm going to be so in trouble when I go back home because I'm so used to living in a different mentality and way of life, just much more relaxed. And it, it was different coming back to California. It was like, I had to really get back into the like, more doing mode um yeah and you know my whole family's you know i've talked about this in a lot of podcasts my whole family's from italy we spent the whole you know three and a half weeks there this summer first time i haven't worked that long ever on vacation and yes very different mentality very again transition coming back i mean yeah like you know being over in italy for three and a half weeks they live a very different lifestyle they they take hours off in the middle of the day they enjoy food and relaxing and like spending time with family and people and very different
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it is for sure I mean there's many many pros of um you know, living in American American culture and whatnot. But I really do believe that when we give ourselves that space to just slow down, it's kind of like we go from being up here in our minds, in our brains, and then we just like drop down. Um and I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert on just like the nervous system, but I do think that it's not maybe focused on as much as it could be in some therapy practices where, you know, we really need to be gaining an understanding of how our nervous systems react. Um, and I think when, when we're in that space of anxiety and we're all up in our heads, like it's almost like we feel scared of what's going on within our nervous system, within our body, body um and so i think that's maybe another thing that contributes to it. it's like we we don't know how we don't know how to drop into our bodies um we're so focused on how it looks and what we look like to others how we look in the mirror how we look when we take a photo of ourselves and post it on the internet like you know if you think about kind of struggling with negative body image and being on the beach or something like that and being around all these people like you might be kind of sucking your stomach in you might be like kind of self-conscious around what's happening but then imagine like what you would be doing and how you would be acting if you were on like an island all by yourself and you just had like a book and you had the nice weather on your skin um I'm speaking from like a beach perspective just Mm because that's something that I really long for but you know there's there's such a big difference there of how we might act when nobody else is watching when nothing else really matters but us just being at the beach with our book um and I would just love if we could have a world where we we didn't care so much about how we looked and it was just about how we feel I mean I think probably in in cultures that maybe aren't like in the us or the uk people don't really care as much and you see them like running around having fun and they just really don't don't care what they look like um and with that you know it's just that feeling of like like nourishing your your body and nourishing like your soul as well Mm -hmm. and i love that you said that like nourishing you
0: know parts of you like i think we so often forget like there is that soul part of us, the spiritual part, because everybody, like you said, they're so focused on making sure the outside looks a certain way and not really taking care to say like, well, how, how's my inside looking like, if we could just turn ourselves inside out, like what's going on in there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would
0: yeah. Be different. Would we feed ourselves differently? Like not just with food, but in so many other ways.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, I love that like it's not just about feeding ourselves with food, it's feeding ourselves with with love and with um compassion and appreciation as well. And I think when we can really get in touch with like our bodies and really kind of embody that that love and that compassion, we treat our bodies in in just such a different way. Um, we're really focused on, yeah just just what we're feeling, on the inside Um, and I think there are many factors that really don't help um, particularly with social media I feel like I've said that word like so many times already but I do think that that is something that just contributes so much to us focusing on the things that really really don't matter I mean Sometimes I'll ask people like, tell me three things that you like about yourself. And most of the time people will say, Well, I like my, you know, nose or I, I I like my eyes or or something like that that they can can pick from. And it's always about the way that they look. But I'm curious about like, no, what do you what do you like about yourself, like your personality, or um, even, you know, when it comes to like body gratitude, instead of kind of identifying what you feel grateful for about the way where your body looks, let's think about what you feel grateful for, about what your body can do for you. Mm -hmm. Like I often have these existential crises. I don't know whether it's because I'm in my 20s or, or what, but I think about how just unique and beautiful our legs are our eyes our our lips our like every single sort of muscle and bone in our body it serves this function Mm -hmm. um and I think part of that embodiment is really focusing on on that function of our bodies and how we can use our bodies as this um uh vehicle instead of kind of looking at it like it's an ornament
0: I love that you said that. And I love that you're in your 20s. (laughs) No, because it's true. I think, you know, even like with age comes like more wisdom too, right? Like I remember, you know, I've shared on here too. Like I went through my own eating disorder and and struggles and I hated like so much about the external and my whole life was focused on that. And I, I, the concept of if anyone would have even asked me like that question, I would have looked at them like they had 10 heads. Like, what do you mean? My body does things like it allows me. to. What are you talking about? Like that would have been a fantastic question. And I probably would have been so mystified with an answer, but you know, now looking back, it's like, Oh my gosh, like I have a nose. that can smell like fresh coffee. I can like, you know, smell wonderful things. I can see beautiful things in nature. I can like, you know, hug my kids with my hands. Like, you know, there's so many things, right. It's amazing. I can think about things. I can watch movies. I can hear birds. Like, you know, I can bring my groceries in the house. Like there's things that I can do. And I don't think it ever hits me as much as when something's not functioning or something's Mm -hmm. hurting. Like, Oh, I wish my body was just functioning. Like when I have a headache or, you know, like I sprained an ankle once and it was like, Oh, you know, I didn't appreciate my body when it was like,
1: yeah stable <laughs> right um Uh, maybe that's why those things happen so that we can develop a greater appreciation for the things that we do often take for granted and that's not to blame or shame anybody that may have responded in a similar way to you I think really our society and our surroundings can um, sort of teach us that actually what is most important is the way that we look Um, but actually it's just thinking about it from a completely different perspective. I mean, yeah, I can totally relate right now, like with having a cold, right? My throat's sore and my nose is a bit blocked and I can't smell or taste things like I usually do. Even having COVID as well, like I completely lost my taste and smell on my birthday. And my mum made me all of these amazing, you know, cakes and like brought all these like different cheeses and rosé wine. And it was just amazing. Um, And I could barely taste any of it. I know it was so sad, but But now that I have that back, you know, or now that i think about that time where i didn't have that taste and smell it's like oh wow yeah like i i can smell that as you say fresh coffee or like just freshly baked bread in the morning like it honestly is a privilege to be able to experience those things and i think when we tap into that side of it as well it can just really help us to see our bodies and our experience of life from such a different way to something that is so um surface level which is really our external appearance it is so so surface level
0: yes and I'm even thinking back like oh my gosh even even in the pursuit of trying to look quote unquote perfect whatever that was when I was in my eating disorder even if I looked totally different than I do now in my you know late 40s like I was so miserable in my body right like And I hear that all the time from people. They look back at pictures when they quote unquote looked their best when they were in the midst of their eating disorder. They were so miserable. Yeah. They were not happy. And so this thought of like, oh, I'm only going to be happy if I look a certain way or weigh a certain number or wear a certain size yet. Yeah. They're not happy. They're not existing in their life. They're not like, you know, present. They're just tortured. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I I I really resonate with what you said there. I've never experienced a clinical eating disorder, but I certainly struggled with disordered eating in my sort of early 20s. Um, And I mean, I have to check myself even now, you know, I think that's such a disclaimer with this kind of work. Just because I talk about body image doesn't mean that I'm, you know, this perfectly healed human when it comes to my body, like I still do really have to check myself. But I think it's about sort of how you deal with those negative thoughts that really matters the most. Um I was looking at a picture of myself from I can't even remember what age, but basically I I was smaller than I am now. Um, and I and I noticed the thought was there. And I was like, hold on, how are you feeling at that time? And when I really thought about it, I was like, wow, I was actually so much more fixated with my body. I was kind of stuck in dieting and in just sort of um, craving those hundreds, two hundreds likes on Instagram. I was really, really fixated on that. And now i feel so much more at peace with my body um and i just think when you know when you look at a picture of yourself just really give yourself a moment to sort of think about it a bit deeper like how how were you actually feeling at that moment in time um and is that really the thing that is the most important to you is that like you know a a a value of yours that you really really truly desire i mean if it is like maybe there's a bit more unpacking to do but i think a lot of people find oh yeah actually that like appearance and that external stuff and that whole like dieting and all of that that stuff actually kept me stuck in not feeling happy and at peace with with myself so yeah it's you're kind of having to just constantly sort of chip away at the iceberg aren't you and and dig a bit deeper especially when it comes to those surface level photos
0: Yeah, I mean, so well said, right? I think probably a lot of people listening can kind of relate. They're probably going, yeah, you know, even when I was younger or, you know, maybe check yourselves if you're listening, like go look back at pictures and ask yourself, like, what was I experiencing back then? Was I present? Was I happy or was I really not even in my body? Was I fixated on so many other things that weren't important?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah checking yourself is is really important and again just doing that with with compassion and curiosity um, and I just think for anybody that's kind of trying to maybe get more in touch with their bodies um, those are two things to really really bring with you on that journey towards connecting or reconnecting with your body Um, just that like compassion and that curiosity you know and also to your point with the
0: social media i i love to encourage people to take a break if they're finding that it's all consuming and it's really having a negative effect like to your point of like oh gosh i i want all these likes and if you're not getting them how that feels and you know having a healthy like perspective on if you're constantly comparing yourself to what you're seeing on social media and striving to look like whatever you're seeing on there just having that recognition that what you're seeing is probably fake, probably altered, probably filtered, probably all sorts of things. And it's not attainable. I don't yeah. know your take on that. What do you have any thoughts on
1: that? Or... <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> A whole nother podcast, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, Yeah, I feel angry about a lot of that. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that anger can really like push me towards what my more authentic values are, um, which is not getting caught up in all of that. But yeah, I mean, especially around this time of year with the sort of like health and fitness promotions and, you know, um, diet culture wrapped up in this is not a diet, which is what I'm seeing so much at the moment. I'm like, you're saying it's not dieting, but it is. You're saying all these things that are diet culture, but anyway <laughs> um, yeah, like for sure, I think that um we have to tread so carefully with social media. It's very, very addictive. It only takes watching the social dilemma documentary. I don't know. Have you seen this yes. documentary? <laughs> yeah it's so fascinating and, it, and it's wild to realize how addictive this really is um you know people that use social media for more than two hours a day are more susceptible to experiencing mental health difficulties um and it's only natural to compare yourself on social media i feel like we have to stop blaming the person that's using social media as well right like it's literally human nature to compare ourselves mm-hmm. um but you know know it's how we deal with that comparison and yeah like if you are finding that you're going on social media to numb out um which i think is one way to disconnect with your body right like oh i don't want to deal with whatever difficulties are coming my way i don't want to deal with those feelings that are really in my body let's just numb out with social media compare myself to others and then that vicious cycle just continues right so yeah if you're kind of finding that you're stuck in that like it doesn't have to be Deleting social media for the rest of your life, but definitely having like a bit of a break from it, just really being genuine with yourself like, what's my intention for using this right now? As well, I think are all helpful little strategies, um, to kind of yeah, not using it in really, really unhelpful ways.
0: Very well said, and I know that's the hardest thing in the world for people to do, but yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's addictive. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah it is my boyfriend actually he's well we I'd say we help one another to be fair um we kind of have this thing where if we notice the other person like in a scroll hole like they've been on their phone for more than (laughs) five minutes or something we'll like call the other person out and it's so (laughs) annoying at the time because all you want to do is keep like you know going on tiktok or just watching like funny even if it's like oh no it's all funny you know it does waste so much time as well so yeah he'll like like pull the phone out of my hand and like throw it to the other side of the couch and I'm like yeah I actually respect you for doing that thank you so if you feel like you're getting stuck in in kind of not being able to you know take yourself away from that by yourself like maybe get a bit of accountability from you know a loved one um, that you live with or a friend or something and and that can that can be of no harm either Funny, like I have my my teenagers, and actually have like the ability
0: on their phones to put downtime where it just stops them from being able to go on apps and things. And that's like, oh, but anyway,
1: yes. Any parents (laughs)
0: listening, go on your phones and see that option. It's fantastic.
1: (laughs) That's really cool. I didn't know you could do that because you're constantly asking for more time. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. This is a boundary, and it's a healthy one. Yeah. I f- I feel you. I know we totally went off tangent, but we said we might do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We figured we would go with the flow with it as well.
0: But I think it all leads to that, right? Like it, it ha- we can't really talk about these things because they, you know, the social media does have an impact so much on body image and And it does really, I think being on social media does disconnect people from being in their bodies. And so I think it's actually kind of relevant, to be honest.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, if if you are using certain tools to numb out because the emotions that you're experiencing feel too painful, yeah, that is that disembodiment that is happening there of really disconnecting with what's going on. And um, I think that for many people, you know, we do feel really afraid of our feelings because we're so in this mode of doing, doing, doing. Um, But actually, you know, apparently we only experience an emotion for 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Which when I heard that, I was like, whoa, like that's really not, you know, it's not that long. And that's not to invalidate like, you know, people's really painful experiences, because yeah, like being in your body sometimes can feel too scary, too triggering, particularly with, you know, um trauma and 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 whatnot. Um, but I do think that. If you are looking to reconnect with your body, a place to start with that may be just spending, you know, five or 10 minutes each day kind of being with yourself, writing down what might be coming up for you. Maybe using like a bit of like a guided journal of some kind, like, hey, like, what am I feeling right now? And really identifying that. Yeah. Um, I love like, you know, feelings wheels, because it's so hard sometimes to identify what we're feeling. Like most people can only really identify like sadness, happiness and anger as those like three emotions. But there are thousands and thousands of them. Um and so, yeah, just really like getting in touch with them, like allowing yourself to feel and 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 accepting them for what they are. I think our emotions can kind of come back to bite us when we push them down, when we numb out, we're pushing them all down and they don't go anywhere. They just kind of rise to the surface when we go to bed or when we're not distracted. And, and that's how, you know, panic attacks can form, for example, um, so, yeah, just just kind of touching on on feelings and really being with those feelings in our body, I think, is is an important part of that embodiment journey. Absolutely. I mean.
0: It, what do you find for yourself? I, you know, we're getting to time here, but I'm just actually wondering for yourself, what do you find is one of the most useful tools for you to really turn it, tune in and get in touch with your body?
1: I think um, five, four, three, two, one is probably my favorite, just because it's so easy to do. I don't know whether you've ever like spoken about five, four, three, two, one before, but and I'm probably going to butcher this, but um, it's kind of just taking a few breaths, deep breaths with yourself, and really like calming down the body, and then noticing and naming, kind of looking around the room, five things that you can see four things that you can feel, three things that you can um, smell, two things you can hear, and one thing that you can taste, or it might even be like, I don't know, one thing that you feel grateful for, one thing that you feel grateful for about your body. You can kind of put different twists on it depending on what comes up for you in that moment. Um, And, yeah, just spending a couple of minutes really – like grounding and, and finding that place back into your body and back into the here and now. You mentioned um, like being present and how, like, for a lot of us, when we're feeling anxious, when we're focused so much on food and our bodies, we're, we're not being present. And just that five, four, three, two, one, it gets us back to the present moment. Um, and and using our different senses as well, right? Like feeling things, smelling things, kind of tasting something or like imagining ourselves tasting it um just that in itself is is getting back into your body
0: that's fantastic and no I haven't actually talked about that on here so thank you for that
1: that's oh, good. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Um, you know, body scans as well. I think they're really, really great. You can get them on YouTube, Headspace, Calm, whatever, um, and and things like that are just so accessible. And they literally take five to ten minutes, so it's just one little step um, that can create, you know, a domino effect.
0: Awesome. Thank you. So Sophie, you know, I know you're not here in the States, but you know, we have listeners all over and, you know, those people in the States might hear this and go, Hey, yeah, I want to connect with you. And I'm sure they will actually, Uh, you're fascinating. Uh, How can they find you? How can they connect with you? How can they learn more about you?
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. That's so kind of you. Um, So my Instagram handle is at underscore eating disorder therapist Um, and you can send me an email or you can go to my website which is foodbodyself.co.uk and then my email is just sophiekillip at outlook.com thank
0: you and don't worry don't go back and rewind that I'm gonna have that on the show notes so (laughs) you're gonna get that all in the notes so don't worry about it Sophie, thank you so much. This was
1: fantastic. Thank you for all this great information. I really, really appreciate you being here. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me and enjoy the States. Yeah, I know it's much later for you there. So thank you
0: for staying up. Oh, you're welcome.